Radio Drome. Welcome to the all-new Radio Drome 2.0. I am your host, Josh, and my co-host is... I am Brad Jones, a.k.a. The Cinema Snob. From thecinemasnob.com. This is our pilot episode, so we're going to get some housekeeping stuff out of the way right away. <laughs> well, it's best to do it now before I end up forgetting like before. I'm going to be here every week. Brad will be here whenever his schedule allows, so hopefully more often than not, Brad will be around. Oh, most definitely. We're going to try to have guests on, things like that. The general focus of the show, I want to be sort of the video era. The era people like Brad and myself and my you know Scott from Lost in the Static, the era we grew up in, because I feel this is an area that's not being catered to. I uh, completely feel this at the absolutely same the absolute same way, which is why I've done several of the different shows that I've done on my site, namely, of course, the one that spotlights big box VHSs. Vic from the big box. Yes, exactly. <laughs> because, like, here on Jackalope 105, we've got somebody, 42nd Street Pete's Grindhouse, where he talks about Grindhouse movies. More Horror Than Horror deals a lot with newer movies, but nobody gets that 80s, 90s, straight-to-video era. Exactly, and, and exactly. And so I thought, we can plug that hole. And I, I still, even even to this day, I I absolutely kick myself for you you know you remember the whole tr- transition that video stores had when between going from VHS yeah from going from VHS to DVD and i remember the video store here in town were, were they were selling they were selling off quite a bit of them but i don't know for some reason in my head i didn't i didn't picture DVD completely taking over i i i don't know why i mean in hindsight i i guess i I should have seen that coming. Uh, and there were so many big box VHSs that they had there at that store, and I only grabbed, like, a couple. And in hindsight, man, I would have cleared that store out. <laughs> I, I, I had a similar experience. In Green Bay, they had, when Hollywood Video was doing the transition, and then they went out of business a couple years later, but when, yeah. when, they, when they were doing the transition... They were getting rid of all VHS, with with the exception of like a dozen titles. They they kept like a dozen VHSs yeah. of like Brazil, you know, the cut that you can't get on DVD. And, yeah. You know, there were things like that that you couldn't get that cut on DVD. Mm-hmm. But all VHS tapes, twenty five cents. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Here I it spent was uh, like a hundred dollars. I mean, no, oh. nobody could believe this just carload of tapes I came home with. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I am glad that the, that uh, that one of them that I did get was the big box of Seven Doors of Death, um, yeah, and kind one. of for that reason is why I, the first episode of the big box I did on seven that Seven Doors of Death tape. The only big boxes I I got out of that were three of the Elvira thriller videos. I, oh I picked, up th- yeah. I picked up three of those in the uncut boxes, and one unfortunately was cut to fit a clamshell. Oh, oh, I hate it when that. Oh my god, that dude. Sometimes that still happens to me. Like I I, I got to be careful, man. When I order uh, when I order a big box online, I mean you really freaking read the details on that and if there if there aren't specific details i mean i won't order it like i i ordered not that i necessarily not that this was on a big box but i did order a uh a vhs tape of uh impulse with william shatner 
and it I've came to me in that white hard shell cover with the cut box. Ugh. Did you know that that that's now available in uh, ninety nine cent DVD? I I actually have have that that on uh, on that DVD. I found it at at a, at a local coat store here in town of all places. I got mine at uh, Walgreens. Nice. Is is it the same one that that, that where it's a, a picture it, of uh, Captain Kirk on the cover? Oh, it's got like a red background. Yep. 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 That, that's, that, that's the that's one. one I got. But see, <laughs> my Walgreens carries that kind of stuff. That's where I picked up the Bad As Mothers set. You know, oh yeah. It's it, it, it's got Black Ninja, mm-hmm. uh, Soul Brothers of Kung Fu, and GI Bro. Because when I'm thinking black exploitation, I think Walgreens. Oh, oh, damn right! <laughs> I actually got that same set too, but I, I ended up finding it at a Best Buy. Um, do you, do you guys a lot more do you then. guys have a a Meyer Superstore near you? Not that I'm aware of. Meyer Superstore, like it's basically like a, a super Walmart, you know. Um, okay. The uh, the one I don't know if they still do because I don't go in there that often, but they used to. Uh, they used to carry like at the checkout at the checkout aisles the uh, dollar diamond entertainment <laughs> DVDs. So I mean, they're buying groceries and look over and be like, "Oh hey, oh, we're gonna buy a copy of Pieces." Well, but you got to even back in the VHS era, that same thing happened. You'd have those four ninety nine VHS tapes, you know, the the Good Times tapes, the Star Maker That's... tapes. That's true. My yeah. my mom used to, you know, when I'd go grocery shopping with her, this is like say Korea 88, 89. Yeah. You go grocery shopping, she's checking out and I'm like, "Hey ma, they got Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Can we buy this for 5 bucks?" That's uh that's how I got my VHS of uh of Screwballs back in the day. <laughs> the 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 hotel comedy, the hotel sit uh, one comedy one. No, the the one uh, for, that uh, Corman produced from the '80s that was about the uh, kind of a Porky's type movie with uh, the five guys and I want to say the 19. It took place like in the late '50s, early '60s, where the entire movie was the guys they're they're trying to see this girl naked, and the girl's name in the movie is Purity Bush. <laughs> oh, dude, if you haven't seen it, I I, I like I probably it probably have. Porky's. I love it. It's it's amazing. And each of the five guys stereotypically represent different cliques. Like, there, there's no way you've these got, guys you, would be hanging out together. You, you've got the nerd. You've got the jock. You've got the doper. You know. The preppy guy. The pre, There's the preppy guy who constantly throughout the whole movie is carrying a tennis racket with him. For no reason. For no reason. It's awesome. Well, have you ever seen Joysticks? Which one? Joysticks. Oh, yeah. A long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh Graydon Clark did yep, that right, one, yep. I think. Yeah, yeah. It's horrible, but it's the same kind of thing where you've got this nerd, you've got this ladies' man, you've got this tech geek slob that all hang out together, and you go mm-hmm. in real life, these guys would never have spoken to one another. Oh yeah, yeah. I love it when that happens. That's great. <laughs> There's no way these guys would be friends in real life. <laughs> but they all come together to uh, for a, com- a, a to... common enemy. In this one, was to fight Joe Don Baker. <laughs> Because he was trying to shut down the, their arcade because it was a bad influence on the community. <laughs> nice. The, I love the old uh, breaking electric boogaloo formula. The cool thing to me about joysticks, and the only thing that works in the movie, is the theme song. The theme it's been song, so long since I've seen it. I I I I can't even off the top of my head. Uh, if we have any time at the end of this, I'll I'll edit the theme song into the end. If, Beautiful. If, if we have some time, it's like three minutes long, and 
if you watch the sequence, you'll try and check it out on YouTube or something. Mm-hmm. So many classic arcade games are yeah. shown in the in the opening montage. It's so great. Oh, beautiful. But like for VHS, not counting Big Box, which you know all yeah. companies kind of did. What would be your most iconic company or style for my, the VHS era? My favorite company is Media. Uh, media home entertainment um, because that was when I was a little kid uh, fifth grade sixth grade so, somewhere around there uh, and I would we had a video store uh, right right near our house and I would always ride my bike there and 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 just come home with with truckloads of uh, of these slasher flicks and uh, the company that always stuck out to me the most because I, I think prominently what this store had were the ones from media, like like Halloween, um, right. Halloween, and uh, I think they also put out like 2019 after the fall of New York, and I think they put out SS Girls too. Nice. Um, but that was that was my favorite company. They they put out I, I believe they put out the VHS of uh, Maniac that I rented back then. The um, Joe Spinell Maniac. Yeah, yeah. Because, see, to me, i got to go Star Maker. I Star love, Maker, yeah. I, I mean, to me, the, the Star Maker cassettes all had one problem, which would be most were SLP. But they sure. had those mm. iconic boxes with the gold trim and the Star Maker logo looking all fancy on the top, and then the poster art was in an inset. Yeah. I love those Star Maker boxes. I was really a fan of... Uh... Joysticks. I just found this. There's no sexual innuendo here, huh? None whatsoever. Shoot straight. And then it goes Kids, on. stop! We're on a roll! It goes on like that for about another minute, but yeah, I just was uh, dinking around here and I found that, so I thought I'd quick throw that on. That's the only <laughs> That's redeeming thing about the movie. It's a gr- <laughs> and the entire opening sequence is a hot blonde girl in hot pants bending over playing Solar Fox. And, oh, and, and, and jerking the joystick around, uh, let's just say in a provocative manner. <laughs> so... But I thought about it. I would put that song in that movie Game Boys I did a couple of years back. Would have fit. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of stuff, movies, Paranoia is coming out, isn't it? Paranoia will be, which is a movie that I uh, uh, starred in uh, you uh, right this too. this year, uh, is coming out. It, it doesn't have an official release yet, uh, but it'll be like it'll be the first quarter of uh, 2011. Trailers up on the cinemasnob.com. The, the the trailers up on uh, this on uh, my site thecinemasnob.com and uh, it's still in it's still in post production right now and I've seen uh, I've seen the rough cut of it. It's it's come together pretty nice. I mean the rough cut was hard for me to watch because the rough cut had the uh, 
uh, the number counter on it, uh, the little yep. ticker thing on there, and it, I'm it was distracting. AD, yeah, I'm ADD as all hell, so so I think the rough cut was good. I was mostly watching the counter. <laughs> I, I hate that too. When w- w- whenever I'm watching a work print, your eyes just keep getting drawn to that damn counter moving in the corner. My copy of uh, the producer's cut of Halloween Six has that. Um, and any time I watch that, I have to like kind of tape a piece of paper up on the TV. <laughs> I don't understand the whole producer's cut thing on that. I have both both versions, and I think both kind of suck. But why would they have changed from what was clearly a superior cut of the movie to what was clearly an uh, inferior cut of the movie? I never understood that. I remember being infuriated when I saw that movie in the theater. I I didn't know what happened. Like it, it didn't like, follow up Halloween Five at all. It like you had seen, huh? It didn't follow Halloween Five at all. Since no. Halloween Five ended with that big, I don't know what you call it, a cliffhanger, but that that big moment, mm-hmm. and then it was totally ignored in the theatrical cut. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I do um, the producer's cut. I I actually do kind of like. Um, I like it better than four and five. Uh, better than four? I think four is the best of all the Halloweens. I I think uh, you 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 might hate me for this. I'm a huge fan of Halloween three. No, I lo- I love Halloween. Okay, 3. good, thank but, God. But but, <laughs> but I still think four is. I think it's it's the most well made, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Carpenter, but l- let's face it, the first film is was clearly shot in L.A. Because <laughs> with the palm trees, yeah. You live in you live in Illinois. I live in Wisconsin. Yeah. There's no way that w- was October in oh. Illinois. Oh, dude, dude. And one thing that I yeah I oh completely. And you can see the California plates as well in it, can't you? Yeah. Um, one thing that I will say, and I like I said, I like I like six better than four and five, but I I don't dislike I don't dislike four and five. Uh, but uh, one thing that. Uh, and 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 I agree that one thing that I think that four and five, especially four, did did right was it felt like the Midwest. It felt like the Midwest. It felt like the time of season. Like it looked like Halloween. Right. Well, I think part of that was uh, was that directed by Dwight Little. I think. Yeah. Was that the opening sequence showing all the 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 farms and what that was Halloween was like there and showing all the the leaves falling and he, he mm-hmm. set a tone right from the very first frame yeah to make it oh. feel like Illinois again a hundred percent yeah where and, most definitely see I think people crap on Halloween three unnecessarily people if yeah, it was I th- called I think something that, uh, else if it was a standalone movie and just called you know uh, if it was just called season of the witch. I think mm-hmm. people would really go, this is a pretty good film. I think that it would be highly regarded as a really damn great horror film of the 1980s if it was called that. And I do think that as time has go has gone on, it's certainly come into its own over the years. It certainly has built up an audience that that wasn't there in the 1980s. Uh, or, hell, even, even the early 90s, really. I think that... I, I, I do think that that movie has has gained just completely deservedly a number of of fans over the years. I think it's it's one of the most underrated horror films of the 1980s. Oh, ab- absolutely. And if you think about it, it really was not even meant to really be a sequel. The whole Halloween 3 part was supposed to talk about the masks. 
Yeah, because they even say it, that on the commercial. Yeah, it, these are the Halloween three, the three masks that all the kids want. It just mm-hmm. happened to also be the third in the franchise, whereas I think it still would have been called the Halloween three, even if it had been the fourth or fifth in the franchise. Yeah, yeah, and I really like what they were trying to go for in making the series sort of an anthology. Like, I, I wish to God that Halloween 3 had, had taken off uh, in, in 82 when it had come out. Because, crap, man, I want to see what the hell else they would have come up with. Halloween 4. The, the original script was, uh, when John Carpenter was still involved, was not to bring Michael Myers back. It was... Mm-hmm. Every Halloween, the fear of what and remembering of what Michael Myers had done all those years earlier had created it, it almost embodied the fear into like a ghost of Michael Myers, and it would be more of a supernatural killer rather than a guy in a mask. And that would have been interesting because I mean the Mustafa Akkad hated one that really idea. Is psychological film. Mustafa <clears throat> Akkad hated that idea. He's like, people will not go for that. You know, we don't want to make it look like we're trying to copy Freddy. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, unfortunately, I, I think that would have been a good idea, though, personally. I, I think it would have been a good idea, too. I think it would have been an interesting place to go with it, and especially considering, Buster like Rhymes I said, how, how truly Rudd psychological and... the first film is. Yeah, but look how bad the sequels got. I mean, you got Busta Rhymes, and you got oh. Paul Rudd, and you got... I, I like Alan Arkin, or Adam Arkin, but he mm-hmm. was totally wrong in Halloween H2O. I hate H2O, man. I Halloween hate water. H2O. That movie has that movie has more false jump scares in it than freaking slumber party massacre. Well, okay. You here's something I was going to talk about on another show, but we'll do it right now. A movie that actually scared you. I mean, not jump scares, a movie that to this day still scares Brad Jones. Still scares me. Yeah. Uh, I uh, I'm gonna have to go with some cliched answers here, but of course the original Chainsaw Massacre is oh, one of the most disturbing movies ever made. Um, you know, I I uh, Messiah of Evil. That's in my opinion one of the most underrated horror films of all time. E- that movie creeps the hell out of me. Even just if you take the specific scenes, you've got the the three creepiest scenes to me are. Gas station, yeah. The movie theater, and the grocery store, yeah. Those three oh. scenes exude so much mood; it almost comes mm-hmm. out of your TV when you're watching it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the movie is genuinely well acted. Like uh, the opening, uh, the opening narration from the girl. This, this is one of, uh, I think, one of the creep creepiest moments in the movie that just hits you right away with what would this thing is be like that opening scene with her walking down that hallway and only then sort backlit. of collapsing it's only backlit too yeah 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 and it's only blacklit you don't see your face and she just slides down against the wall and that narration and she that blood curdling scream that she lets out yeah, and unfortunately, it's a film nobody's really heard of. Yeah, un- unfortunately, I for a short time I I did a uh, I I wouldn't necessarily call it a series, but Public it was something that theater. I did on the site when I first started. It was called Public Domain Theater. It was I just posted would post up a public domain movie, and I would have like a tiny little in, in intro on it, just which was basically just a three minute review of the movie, um, and. Uh, 
it was something that I always did, like if I was going to be out of town for a few days and and wanted something on the site that would kind of hold people over for a little bit. And the and the first one that I did, and I only did like five, but the first one that I did was on that movie because, like I said, I mean, I maintain that that is one of the most underrated horror films of all time. And the response that I had gotten from it was incredibly positive. Yeah, it, it's a it's a great film. It's uh currently available from I believe it's Code Red DVD. Co- yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. You guys pick it up. First of all, it's the first time it's ever been seen widescreen. And by the way, they're not paying. This is not like a a sponsorship thing. Yeah. I genuinely want people to see the movie. So mm-hmm. go pick up the DVD. It's really nice. It's the first time it's ever been seen widescreen. Otherwise, all the prints I've got on VHS are all full frame. And yeah, it just the, looks beautiful. The one that I had uh, uh, was uh, the double Diamond Entertainment one that came with that and uh, The Devil's Nightmare. Oh, see, uh, I've got that in one of those uh, Brentwood 10-pack. Oh, actually, I think I do. I think that's one of the movies that I have, like, that I think I actually have, like, five copies of. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I have multiples of that, too, in, like, the Nightmare World set or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, to me, a scary movie is still Poltergeist. Poltergeist yeah. is still scary. The mood, the the camera, and yes, yeah, there's still the debate between it whether it's Toby Hooper or Steven Spielberg. But yeah, whoever directed, like the scene where the the angelic ghost is coming down the stairs, but what mm-hmm. the videotape is picking up is totally different. That is really creepy. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, it is. <laughs> to What's... me, to, to me, the creepiest part is. Keep in mind, I was like nine when I first saw Poltergeist, okay? Mm-hmm. I saw it on cable while it was storming out. I had a big tree outside my bedroom window. Oh, yeah. You know exactly where I'm going. The scene <laughs> where the, while it's storming, the giant tree breaks through the window and eats the little boy. I didn't, <laughs> needless to say, I slept zero that night. <laughs> so that movie genuinely creeped me out. Oh, man. I, I hear you, man. Uh, but what's one that off the top of your head that maybe you saw as a kid that did scare you legitimately scare you and then years later you might have seen it and been like what I I can tell you exactly (laughs) and it's one of my favorite all time movies now but Mm -hmm. Alien I saw that when I was four yeah my my mom this is when it was in theaters my mom got into a fight with my dad that night when they were going to go to the movie, and there was no mm. one to babysit me, so she took me to go see Alien. Beautiful. All I could see in my mind's eye that night was the chestburster, because I, I never made it past the chestburster scene before You know, I buried my head in the chair and stayed there the rest of the movie. Oh, sure, yeah. All I could see was over the end of, end of the bed, a chestburster just looking at me going, go ahead, go to sleep. I won't do anything to you. Go ahead, go to sleep. <laughs> you know, I promise I, I won't hurt you. I promise I'm not. This isn't hurt this you. isn't this isn't brain sleep. damage. You know, I'm not going to do anything to you. <laughs> so yeah, it, it, Alien genuinely creeped me out, and even today I can see how that affected so many people back in '79. Yeah. Oh, totally. Well, and then there were all the people that didn't get didn't get to see that scene mm-hmm. because the the projectionists. One of the things, and I used to be a projectionist, and I did this too, is just to, to remember it, you would always take a, you'd cut out one frame to yeah. keep for yourself. So, mm-hmm. so what people would do there is they'd cut out one frame to keep for themselves, 
and then they then that print would go to another theater, and then that person would cut out one frame. Oh. By the time it got to the other side of the country, the whole scene was missing. All oh, that bites. Ridley Scott talks about that on one of the uh, A and E or AMC documentaries from the nineties. Mm-hmm. How there were parts of the country that never even got the chestburster scene because of all the projectionists taking a frame here, a frame I, there. I've got a uh, a good example of uh, something that scared me when I was a kid, and then looked at it years later and was like, well, "Really? What was I thinking?" Um, <laughs> uh, you know the movie Madman. Um, Madman Mars. I've seen it, but I don't. I it was years ago, and I don't remember crap about it's, it really. It's the what Galen Ross was in it. Um, it's 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 a summer camp slasher movie, and I honestly to this day, it, I mean, it, it it is a fun movie. It, it is well made. <laughs> when I was a kid and saw this, and and. I have no idea why it scared me so much when it did, because I was watching several movies like this, but for some reason, that one, it might have been a lot of the angles that they used, it might have been some of the music stingers, I don't know, but for some reason, when I watched that movie when I was a kid, the the one time, I was like, one of the scariest ever made. Oh my god! Sitting there like hiding my eyes and stuff like that. Like oh, oh man, I don't know if I could make it through this. God! It, years later, I mean, the movie came out on DVD. I watched it and was like, this is it's it's like being as a kid being scared of sleepaway camp. <laughs> well, was there ever a movie not scared wise, but that you just hated as a kid? You couldn't stand the movie, and then you watch it now and you go, this movie is phenomenal. What was I? How could I have not loved this when I was ten? Um, the the first time, honestly, yeah, the first time when I was a little kid, the first time I saw Halloween three. Um, because you because, wanted Michael. Yeah, yeah, that, that yeah. Uh, I mean, I was maybe ten years old, something like that, and I rented it, and I, 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 I just, I mean, just assumed like it was, you know, Michael Myers coming back, whatnot, and watched it, and just being angry at that you know um like what this is this is not a halloween movie what did i rent the wrong movie no it's called halloween three or whatever and then and then i saw it and then i saw it again uh uh years later and and yeah yeah i I was sitting there like dude seriously why why didn't i love this when i was a kid this is this is amazing (laughs) dan o'hurley he is Connell Cochran's one of the best villains of the 1980s. Well, and you got Tom Atkins as a wild woman punching drunk, which <laughs> he plays in pretty much everything he's in, but... Exactly. See, but my, my one of those would be Brazil. I think Brazil is an amazing film. I saw it on cable when it first debuted, and you got to remember, the trailers for this showed a lot of the fantasy sequences. The yeah. battling with the knights and the flying through the sky, and which are dream, basically dream sequences in the movie. Uh-huh. So that's the movie I was expecting as a 10 to 15-year-old, and that's not the movie I got. So I hated Brazil. Now, I think Brazil is one of the top I, 10 I actually, films of all time. I actually agree with you. I, I actually Well, not that it's it's one of my top 10 favorite movies, but I, I actually agree with you on that because the first time I saw Brazil, I didn't like it either. Um, because I, they sold it as a totally different film than what it was. Well, I, I don't know if I saw the trailer for it before I saw it. I... I, I well, I, I think I maybe saw like little little snippets of it, but uh, when I did go to rent it uh, and, and took it home and watched it, it was one of those deals where I, I just didn't get it. I, I didn't really under under 
stand I, I didn't know what was going on not, honestly not that I s- still do but uh um I like for me it was I might I just might might not have been in the right mood or something like that like I I I just wasn't really taking in any of it saw it years later and appreciated it a lot more same thing with uh, Dune I didn't see Dune in the theater I saw it when it debuted on HBO which I still have on tape I have on beta the night that it uh, debuted on HBO I hated Dune I didn't understand a lick of what was going on now and yeah it is flawed but I love Dune I think Dune's an amazing film Dune is a movie that I did like better the second time I saw it. Not that I really like it that much. Dune, I just don't find to be that entertaining of a movie. It, it kind of bores me here and there. But it's got I great did, parts. It's what it has great parts in it. Yeah, it, that that it does. It does have great parts in it, and I do like. I do like, and I do appreciate it better now than I did when I was a kid. Because when I saw it for the first time when I was a kid, yeah, I hated it. I I did hate it, and I've. And I've watched it again. I honestly have seen it a few times. It's a movie that I can watch. I don't find it fantastically entertaining, but it's got great mood to it, and it does have great. Uh, yeah, it does have great parts and great music. Uh, oh yeah, it does. Toto's it does. soundtrack. As much yeah. as that sounds strange, saying Toto had a great soundtrack, Toto's soundtrack was phenomenal in that. Does sound strange, my friend? I love Toto. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of Toto, but I have the soundtrack to Dune. So. Oh, the soundtrack to Dune is great, and I'm I'm just I'm just genuine. I was sad when he had passed. Uh, I was genuinely I'm genuinely a huge Dino De Laurentiis fan. Oh yeah, um, he put out a ton of great stuff. Oh man, Flash Gordon, I love. Flash Gordon to me is the best bad movie ever made. I mm-hmm. have seen that film literally hundreds of times, and every time it's on cable, I still have to watch it. And my wife, whenever she tries to flip past it real quick hoping I don't see it Yeah, and I can see her roll her eyes going he's going to make me go yep it's like Flash Gordon's on we're watching Flash Gordon you know it's on we're watching it I was so happy like the last uh, con I was at uh, my wife bought a uh, Timothy Dalton action figure from uh, from Flash, she loves Flash Gordon, and uh, she bought the Dalton action figure. And I'm a huge Dalton fan, and it surprised me. She, she's a Dalton fan because she she really loves that movie. I mean, I'm a huge James Bond fan, and I love Timothy Dalton. And so I I like I I didn't know that that she hadn't, or I, I don't even know if she well, she's not a huge James Bond fan, but I don't think she she really knew that he had played James Bond. So I so I showed her his his two Bond movies, and she got a kick out of them. <laughs> Well, see, to me, the best part of Flash Gordon, besides Queen's soundtrack, mm-hmm. Ornella Muti. Yeah. Oh, my God, she is so gorgeous in that. Mm-hmm. She is just so, and so mis- mischievous and evil, and you'd still do her. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. And, and of course, I, I geek out at the fact that it's got Melody Anderson in it because of Manimal. Manimal. But you got to admit... <laughs> She's not very good in Flash Gordon. No, she's not. No, she's not. She's better in Manimal. <laughs> well, and Sam Jones might not be the best, but you got to admit his dubber is perfect. You cannot tell that that's none his of dubber his... is perfect. Yeah, it, it... all the, all of uh, Flash's dialogue in in Flash Gordon is dubbed by somebody else. That's not mm-hmm. Sam Jones' voice, and you, and it's it's perfect. You can't tell once that that's not you... his voice. You can't tell at all because it does sound like him. It, I've seen him in a couple of other movies. It does sound like Sam Jones, but so yeah, yeah, he he did a fantastic job. The guy who dubbed his voice did 
pretty spot on job. Absolutely. But yeah, I consider Flash Gordon one of the best bad movies ever made. Yeah. I've got it on Laserdisc, I've got it on DVD, I've got it on VHS, I've got the soundtrack, I've got the LP, I've got mm -hmm. a press booklet for, for it. Yeah. I love that film. And my wife just, uh, she just rolls her eyes. And, and oh, Brian Blessed as Prince Voltan. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever seen someone chew more scenery besides Bruce Payne or Jeremy Irons in uh, Time Machine <laughs> or Dungeons and Dragons? No, not at all. And I'm a pretty big Bruce Payne fan. Oh, <laughs> uh, see, I, I, I got to go with Spoonie on that. Bruce Payne is not a good actor. I don't know if. I don't know if I'd... I thought he was good in Passenger 57. I haven't, um, okay, I haven't seen that one. I thought he was really good in that. Uh, but I I like that kind of villain. Not that I think that he does a good acting job. In, Just so in, brutally over the top? Like, oh, yes. Oh, that would be bad. You know, like, I... <laughs> I find it very entertaining. And I thought I uh he played a sleazy cop in uh oh, I I can't remember the name of it, but he played a, a sleazy cop in this one movie where I thought he did a pretty good job. And I thought I thought he was good in Passenger 57. Okay. How do you like your sirloin, sir? Bloody. <laughs> was he was he the villain in that? He he was the villain. He was the villain in Passenger 57. Uh with with uh Wesley Snipes. <laughs> hey, hey, you ever play roulette on occasion? Always bet on black. Oh God, that's so bad. That's so awful. <laughs> but Bruce, uh, yeah, I I tend to like that that kind of performance if the movie calls for it. I guess if it, if it would make a pretty bad movie kind of entertaining. <laughs> well, I mean, look at Highlander Endgame. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it wasn't a good movie, even if it wouldn't have been for him. But he was so over the top that it kind of took everyone else's performance into a whole different genre. It's like yeah. he's, it's almost like he was in a different film than the rest of them were. Very much so. Yeah, yeah, he, he did, and and that movie is. I think that whatever entertainment value I get out of that movie, honestly, I do get from him because it's so out of place and so out there that don't you want to be inside there is i, I do get some me. entertainment value out of that or, or all his like don't you want to be inside me <laughs> oh my god <laughs> he was okay in this movie was terrible but he was all right when he played the warlock i thought he and, was in uh, one and, of the warlocks he was he, he was in the up third for Julian one. Sands. Yeah. Oh man. I... He, he played. Wow. He played. Uh, he played the warlock in the third one, um, and he, he was honestly a little subdued in it for Bruce Payne. Because um, I like Julian Sands. I think Warlock is a very underrated film. I agree. I agree with that. That movie. That is uh, one of the. That was one of the first ones I saw around the time that I was. I really started watching horror films. I mean, it's pretty. It's that one's pretty sentimental to me. I. 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 I can't stand the second one. See, I, um, I haven't seen anything past the first one. But to me, Warlock will always be one of those films that had it. It did something that films of that era were scared to do. It killed a child. Mm-hmm. Mo you know, films of that era always, no matter what, if you were under 15, you survived. Yeah. And here he killed the child and then drank his fat to gain yeah. his flying abilities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, um, yeah, I, that that does. Yeah, the only time that you ever really saw anything like that back then, it was uh, like a shot on video movie. <laughs> well, I mean, or, or another one that that did that and broke that mold of kind of no character is really safe was the '88 Blob. Yeah, it did. Because mm-hmm. uh, personally, that no, that's a sentimental movie to me. The '88 Blob. I love that movie. I love the '88 Blob movie. I like I like it too. I think it's a lot of fun because see. Okay, here's my experience with uh, video stores and, and wasting an entire summer. My mom mm-hmm. used to work at a grocery store back in the you know late 80s, early 90s when grocery stores had big video sections. Yeah. One of the perks was all employees got two video rental coupons every day as part of their pay, as like a perk. Well, my mom would give those to me and my brother. And one of her friends that also worked there didn't have a VCR, so she gave her video coupons to my mom. So for an entire summer, my brother and I would go and walk and get four videos a day. Yeah. Throughout, by the time that summer was over, we'd cleaned out the horror section, cleaned out the sci-fi section, cleaned out thriller, and we were halfway through comedy. <laughs> of, the, of every tape that they had. It didn't even matter. It was, have we seen this yet? Eh, I don't know. It looks like crap, but we'll we'll try it. We haven't seen it yet. That's where a lot of my bad movie came from. But then there's also, and I'm going to seg into another topic here, of the our current generation, the kids of today, don't have access to the types of movies we did. They don't have the late-night UHF stations. I think I- they don't have the video store that will lie to you with the great cover art and the horrible v you know horrible vhs movie they don't yeah. have when hbo and showtime would show you know american ninja movies at three in the morning yeah it's a totally different era to me now Th- these are this is the first generation that's growing up where watching godzilla movies at three in the morning is not a regular thing yeah yeah i i think that and 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 you and i talked about this a little bit the other day um on the one hand, there are a lot more of those movies available now. Like, if you wanted to go buy them, or if you wanted to watch them all... If you, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, you have to... Anyone who will do that nowadays is intending to look for that. They are obviously already a fan. Right. No one nowadays is really going to... And this is partly why I curb the site. Is going to accidentally stumble upon that. And right. become a fan because of that. Because in our era, and I've got a couple of years on you, so I'm going to kind of say my era. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not to exclude you, but I've got a good six years on you. Is, <laughs> you know, if you didn't have cable, and we had cable since '82, but you would look through the the local the TV guide and find your local channels at two, three in the morning would always show horror movies. They'd yeah. always show sci-fi movies. They'd show thrillers and all these exploitation films, obviously cut for TV, which in a way makes them funnier. But, you know, at 3 in the morning, you'd just go and find one of these movies. You didn't go, oh, I don't really want to watch Exterminator tonight. You go, hey, Exterminator's on tonight. I need to be home to watch Exterminator. Yeah. And Complete. nowadays, it, you don't have that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of a shame because the kids of today don't seem to want to seek out the types of movies you and I grew up on. Yeah, and I I, I think that, and that's, I I really do get very glad when somebody who goes to my site sort of becomes a fan 
of that kind of stuff because of some of the movies like the kung fu movies on this show I do called Kung Tai Ted, uh, the VHS stuff, uh, even some of the stuff on the snob. I mean, people will go to my site for the comedy, uh, for the comedy on it, in, 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 in sort of making fun of some of these movies. But I get a lot of emails from people, uh, a, a lot of younger, uh, a, a pretty big younger crowd who goes out and finds these movies because of because they'd been featured on there and I and honestly I mean that's why I really love uh your show a lot uh it came from beyond midnight because there's just not shows like that anymore no cuz I mean we used to have up all night you used to up have all night. used to have up all night you used to have monster vision or drive in theater if you had show yeah. t- uh, movie channel I mean and even if you didn't have cuz those are all cable even if you didn't have cable every market had their own horror host. Yeah. And the horror host would always show these types of movies. So mm-hmm. no matter what, you, you'd always have... I don't think a month went by when I was a kid where one of the channels was not showing a Godzilla film. And it, it, it was so funny, too, because it, in my case, we, we, we had... Uh... We had cable as well, and we had the uh, the HBO Cinemax package, and it would be pretty funny because like USA Up All Night would show something like uh, Buford's Beach Bunnies, you know, and I would sit there and be like, "What? I'm I'm not gonna watch th- I'm not gonna watch that edited." And just flip over to Cinemax, and it would be on there too, completely uncut. Well, but then you Up All Night would also they would show weird stuff. I've got a Star Trek the Motion Picture airing from Up All Night. Is that mm-hmm. really an Up All Night movie? Star Trek the Motion Picture? <laughs> you know, Not that doesn't really, really like... fit the, the tone of Up All Night. Coming up next on Up All Night, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yeah. Well, <laughs> with Joe Bob, back when he was on Drive-In Theater, he, yeah. he didn't get to pick the movies. He, he, he said he got to suggest, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we got Malibu Express? But he mm-hmm. didn't have any say in that, except yeah. when it came to Evil Dead. He said, if you do not get Evil Dead for us, and it was the first time uh-huh. Evil Dead was ever on TV, if you do not get Evil Dead for us, I'm quitting. Oh, nice. Because he needed to show Evil Dead. He yeah. loved it so much. And I think more people probably saw Evil Dead on Joe Bob's show than saw it on video or during its theatrical run. Definitely, definitely more so than in the theatrical run. Because that... I, mean, I was like, we had the uh, we had the VHS for it at our video stores, the hard shell uh, HBO home video copy of it. You know, and <clears throat> it it was shows like Joe Bob. It was it, Elvira. Elvira broke a lot of that into the mainstream by her being on her, her being syndicated. Even if you didn't have cable, you got Elvira's show. Yeah. And oh, you, and you yeah. got to see all these movies that you mm-hmm. probably would have never been exposed to. And admittedly, a lot of people watch that show for Elvira, not for mm-hmm. the movie. It was just, eh, there, there's a movie, too. But then right. they became fans of the movies. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love. And you just don't have that today. I am, I'm always happy that whenever I see, uh, whenever I do get a DVD that has a Joe Bob Briggs commentary track on it, <clears throat> it's like, ugh. It's just, it's, ob- obviously it's it's not the same as, as him having his own series, but... You know, at least still get a couple of things now that where you can hear the man talk and rant on about stuff. Yeah, but it, like like you just said, it's not the same. It, not at all. And 
I'm not saying Joe Bob has changed so much, but I just don't think his format, I don't think the Elvira-Joe Bob format works anymore on a national level. Even though Elvira's back in syndication, from what I've heard, the ratings aren't too great. And in all honesty, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not a fan because I'm a huge Elvira fan. Mm-hmm. I just don't like the new incarnation as much as the old one. It, it's too... I, mean, it's I haven't seen the incarnation of it. Oh, it, she's she's almost trying too hard to be cool. Oh, I and see. And she never used to really do that. Like, if uh, just go YouTube the, the new opening sequence. And okay. It, it does not have the feel of a horror host show. Now it I feels think... like a TMZ kind of, uh, a parody that Leno would put on. Ugh. And I'm not sure if that's the tone she really should have been going for. No, it, it's not. And that, and that kind of goes back to what we were saying, how that's that's the downside of so many of these movies now being readily available in a heartbeat. Because well, someone's just more apt to to just download it, really. I mean, honestly. Well, and but but then there then there's also the fact that, and I know this is going to sound weird to the listeners out there. I know you agree with me. We've talked about this before, but when you see something like I Monster, in yeah widescreen, digitally remastered, you know, THX sound, it's not the same film as when it's a beat-up, obviously from a film print, you see the cigarette burns, full-frame, mono-copy at 3 in the morning. No, it it, it is absolutely not the same. I I don't have a Blu-ray player. I do not intend on getting a Blu-ray player. I do not intend on buying movies like that. On Blu-ray, and perfectly honest, there's a lot of movies on DVD where I, I like uh, the when I got the Evil Dead on DVD, when I got the Evil Dead in that book of the dead that they released of it, and I put it in. Oh man, I probably made it ten minutes into it, maybe, and was just like, this, this isn't the same. Yeah, this and- is this is too neat looking. This is too polished. People from people outside of our generation or younger than us just don't understand that. They don't understand that better video quality does not make a better movie. No, no, it, it doesn't. And in cases like that, it takes away from it. It takes away from the mood of the movie. It I mean, th- these are the same people that would these are the same people that would pop in like the Planet Terror DVD and use the extra feature that takes away the film grain. I've, um, I've met people. Okay, my son, my son is 17 now. He can't stand black and white. He he can't understand ah. how I can watch Twilight Zones or Outer Limits or old Lights Out episodes or Universal films from the 30s and 40s. He can't understand that. He's like black and white. He, he actually was complaining in school they had to watch 12 Angry Men. And, oh, it was black and white. It was horrible. Oh, man. And I just... Man, I mean, the sad thing is, is, gosh, I've I've run into people my age who who say who say stuff like that you know i've <laughs> i've had girlfriends who were like who, who who couldn't stand to watch black and white i don't understand i think black and white when shot properly is beautiful yeah but unfortunately oh, yeah. now nowadays nobody knows how to shoot in black and white look at look at kill bill all the black and white sequences look at how the lighting is and i know lighting being kind of weird in black and white those were clearly shot in color and then made black and white in a computer. Yeah, yeah. 
because uh, Young Frankenstein, mm-hmm. um, even going back to the seventies, when Mel Brooks was making Young Frankenstein, when Universal finally let him shoot it in black and white, nobody knew how to light black and white film anymore. Uh-huh. He had to actually dig out all the old Universal guys from the thirties who were retired to teach his crew how to light a black and white set. Yeah, and that's just kind of sad. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> it, it, it it really is. I I uh um I always kind of wanted to do another black and white movie. I did I did one that I actually did shoot in black and white uh and didn't just hit the black and white button on the Well, cuz you have the, to light it, black and white different than color. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people don't realize. They think it's it's just oh, you click a button, now it looks just like, you know, Frankenstein. That's not uh-huh. how that, that's not how that works. No, no, not at all. <laughs> uh, speaking of throwback, have you seen? Uh, and and uh, this is an unintentional throwback, but uh, the movie Hunter Prey yet? Uh, no, uh, uh-uh. it's a science fiction film. I'm, I don't, I don't, re- I really don't want to tell you or the audience much about it because I, I want to just say go see it. There's a bunch mm-hmm. of plot twists in it that I do not want to ruin. But Hunter Prey, it's a new movie by uh, Sandy Carolla. He's the guy that did the Batman Dead End one where Batman fought the Predators and Aliens. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this movie, whether it's intentional or not, and I mean this as a compliment, feels like a mid-'90s independent film. Oh, nice. And I mean that as a total compliment. This does not feel like a 2010 movie. Yeah. So I'm saying Hunter Prey by Sandy Carolla. Go check it out. You need to see this, and we'll talk about it at a later date once you've seen it, but like I said, I don't want to let any plot spoilers out because I was genuinely surprised at, at some of the places this, the film went. But just, oh, it's, a, it's a science fiction film, and it really will play with your preconceptions of where you think the movie will be going. I always like it much when something like that actually feels like it, this legitimately could have been made back then, you know. Uh, sometimes it it really turns me off in watching something when it's done a hundred percent just to be intentional camp. Um, that is obviously something that's made nowadays, and they're sort of trying to just sort of spoof movies like that back then. As opposed to a movie that legitimately feels like it could have been made in those days. But you also have ones that work like that, such as uh, Lobster Man from Mars. That one I haven't seen. Well, Lobster Man from Mars, it, it was made in, I think, 89, 90. But, mm-hmm. And it, it is a parody of the 50s films, but except it's shot in color. You know, it looks like it was shot in 89. But all yeah. the dialogue, the camera setups, the acting, the costumes feel like a 50s film. And it is done in a very spoofy way, but it also feels very genuine at the same time. It's kind of hard to explain. But yeah, Lobster mean, Man I mean, from Mars feels right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, sometimes sometimes stuff like that can really work. I mean, you know, I've I've done a few throwback movies of my own. Like, uh, I did an 80s cop movie called Midnight Heat. Uh, and, and, you know, in the case of that, uh, you know, you you certainly can tell that it's something that was made three years ago, but that's comes from a more technical aspect and that I don't exactly have the money to make it look that authentic. You don't have the equipment or the, yeah. Yeah. Well, we got about a minute and a half left before we got to sig out of this. 
So we want to quick say cinemasnob.com. Thecinemasnob.com. And where you can see Kung Tai Ted and Vic from the Big Box and Cinema Snob and just Brad Jones vlogs and stuff. At the same time, uh, a couple of my It Came From Beyond Midnights are going to be coming up there. You can contact us here at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Just 1201beyond at gmail.com. And just this is the new Jackalope 105, and this is the new Radiodrome. Uh, I'm not sure if Brad will be here next week or not. You going to be here next week, Brad? If I if I if I'm not out of town or anything, then yeah, hundred percent. And we'll we'll figure out some topic. And we've got a uh, I've got a couple of things building if I can schedule them, that will be really interesting down the line. And Excellent. Hopefully, Jared from the original Radio Drome will end up uh, popping in at some point here, and being on with Brad and I. So for now, we'll just say adios and thanks Todd Sheets at Jackalope and. Thanks, Brad, for helping me out with the new show, and he'll be here wherever he can. Yeah.